Now today, we've reached the very end of the year. You've made it. God has been good. God has been faithful. But you know, it's not just the end of one year. We're not just stepping from one year into another year. We're actually stepping from one decade into another decade. And as I was preparing this message, I began to reflect on some of the things that didn't exist 10 years ago. 10 years ago, we did not have high-speed internet. We did not. It was slow. Now we have DSL, we have fiber, we have 4G, and we even have 5G now. Can you believe it? 10 years ago, we didn't have apps. There was no such thing as an app store or a Google Play store. There was none of that 10 years ago. Now there's an app for everything. You can ask for a ride. You can order pizza. You can even get food delivered to you. It's amazing. There's an app for everything. 10 years ago, there weren't very many ways to communicate. There was a phone call. There was texting. But most of the time, you just left a voicemail because texting was way too much work. Do you know, students and young adults, there was a time when you had to text and you had to push the, the number seven four times just to get an S? It was too much work. Now, texting is easy. In fact, we've got instant message. We have telepresence. We have FaceTime. We have all these different ways to communicate. We live in a technologically advanced time. Here are some other things that have come online in the last 10 years. GPS on phones, blockchain, voice command technology, biometric credentials, 3D printing, electric cars, augmented, augmented reality, artificial intelligence, self-checkout, self-driving cars, and even multi-use space rockets. It's incredible. And technology is going to continue to advance. In fact, a lot of futurists say that we're living in a digital and a technological renaissance. It is bursting from the seams. We're seeing technology come about. But you know, in spite of all of the technology, some of us, most of us, we still have very human problems. One of the things about technology and the, the way technology is advancing is it's made us worried and anxious and nervous. In fact, we would say, many of us would say that we are troubled people in troubled times. Well, I want to share a verse with you, and some of you, it may be worth writing this down. It's this verse in John 16, Jesus is speaking. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. It doesn't matter what's happening in politics. It doesn't matter what's happening in your workplace. It doesn't matter if there's wars and rumors of wars. God is still on the throne. He is still in charge. You can still rely on him. He said, in me, you will find peace. You know, in an ever-changing world, we can trust a never-changing God. He is good. He is faithful. He is reliable. But what do you do when life is chaotic? What do you do as you're stepping into a new, a new decade? What do you do? What do you do when everything seems like it's falling apart? You trust the Holy Spirit. You trust the Holy Spirit. In fact, today, I want to speak on stepping into a spirit-led future. Stepping into a spirit-led future. As we step into the next decade I'm going to encourage you as spirit-filled believers to be led by the Holy Spirit. Let him speak into your decisions. Let him speak into your choices. Let him speak into your future. He has great plans for you, and he wants to reveal those things to you, but it only happens in the spirit. 
So with that in mind, I want to invite you to join me in Isaiah chapter 43. We're going to look at some verses together. We're going to start with verse 15 and then look to verse 18. Now let me give you a little bit of context about what's happening in the life of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah is a prophet to the nation of Israel. And the prophets had a tough job because what would often happen is they were given the tough job of saying to the nation of Israel, if you don't obey God, you're going to end up in captivity. And that was really the pattern for the nation of Israel. They would seek God, then they would get comfortable, then they would get complacent, and then God's anger would burn against them. He would send them into captivity, then they would have a resurgence to get back close to God, and then he would set them free, and the cycle would happen over and over and over again. I don't know about you, but I want to be someone who stays hot and passionate about God. I don't want to be lukewarm. I want to be somebody who fully pursues him all of my life. So God gives Isaiah some words to share with the nation of Israel. And what was true for those people then is true for us today. So let's look at verse 15. I am the Lord, your holy one, Israel's creator, your king. If you want to step into a spirit-led future, it begins by us acknowledging God's rightful place in our life. We need to acknowledge him as Lord of our life, not just someone who speaks into our situations when we have a crisis, but he's in charge of everything. We also need to acknowledge that he is holy and that he is righteous and that he expects us to be like him and not him to conform to us. We need to also acknowledge him as creator. Everything in your life, God created. He created your life. He created opportunity. He created a future. And finally, we need to acknowledge him as king. For you see, we're not permanent residents of earth. We're actually citizens of the kingdom of God. And he wants to remind us that we don't need to be so focused on the affairs of man, but we need to be focused on the affairs of God. We need to be kingdom-minded. And if we are willing to acknowledge God in these four ways, we can then step into a spirit-led future. In fact, the following verses give us a pathway for how to step into a spirit-led future. Verse 18 says this, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, that's you and I, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. As we step into the future, we need to be spirit-led. And so today I want to share with you three sequential steps that you can take to step into a spirit-led future. Number one, forget the past. Verse 18 says this, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. Do you know that in order for you to move into the future, you've got to forget the past? You've got to leave some things behind? Many times we hold on to the past and it keeps us shackled there and it prevents us from moving into the future. How many of you have held on to something way too long? Maybe, maybe it's a broken TV. Maybe it's a broken cell phone or an old computer. Maybe it's a piece of clothing that doesn't spark joy. Maybe it's something in your pantry that's expired. We used to have a problem with expired stuff in the pantry, but we don't have that problem anymore. And the reason why is our son discovered expiration dates. And so now we go into the pantry, and stuff that's one day old, past the expiration date, he throws it in the trash. We're like, no, this is still good. He's like, no, it's expired. 
So I want to tell you, if you have anything expired in your pantry, my son is available for hire. He'll come in and he'll clean you all out. Sometimes in life, though, we collect things. In fact, my wife and I, just a handful of days ago, we went through the house and we cleaned the house. And it wasn't just one of those superficial clean, you dust and vacuum. It was a deep clean. It was a deep clean. It was a multi-day process. We went into closets. We went into junk drawers. We went into rooms that we don't visit very often. We even went down to the three-car garage to get rid of stuff. When it was all said and done, we had done three runs to the dumpster, and we had donated stuff to Goodwill. Sometimes in life, we accumulate stuff, but sometimes we hold on to stuff that's actually garbage. You know, the great philosopher of our time, Jerry Seinfeld, said this, our homes are factories for trash. Have you noticed that? You buy something, you bring it home, you use it for a while, it breaks, you put it in your third car garage, and then you get rid of it. It ends up back out on the street. Our homes are factory for trash. But you know, spiritually, sometimes we hold on to things that prevent us from moving forward. It's called baggage. I want you to think about the baggage in your life. Do you have baggage in your life? And if you have baggage in your life, do you want to carry it into 2020? What if God is saying, I want to, you to leave those things behind so that you can follow me into the future? Some of us, we need to let go of some things. We need to leave it behind. I've discovered in my life that there's no future in your past, so stop reliving it. Stop rehearsing it. Stop trying to fix it. Leave it behind. And for some of us, that involves getting rid of some stuff, but sometimes it involves us getting rid of some people. We need to delete some contacts and unfriend some people. You know, Real Talk Kim, she said this, some people need to be escorted from the VIP section of your life to a regular seat. Don't entrust God-sized dreams, big dreams, to small-minded people. Now, let me caution you as you do this process, never burn bridges. Don't burn bridges, but don't feel obligated to rebuild bridges to toxic people. Yes, God invites us to forgive so that we can move forward, but we don't have to reforge relationships with people who are not healthy, people who are toxic for us. You know, Jesus, he actually had a mass exodus in his ministry. There's some people who left him, and he had to be okay with that. But for some of us, in order for us to move forward, we need to cut a little deeper. We need to clean a little deeper. Some of us, we actually need to do an audit of the accounts and the people that we follow. Do you know that on Instagram and TikTok and Snapchat, there are ways for people to see who you're following? People are making low-key decisions about whether they can trust your faith based on who you follow. Who's speaking into your life? And guys, can I tell you, there's some accounts that you need to delete and not follow because it's causing you to stumble in your faith walk. Others of you, you need to stop looking at your accounts, uh, at the account of your ex. Stop going there to see who is he or she dating. Who are they talking to? You don't need that mess. That's called self-imposed emotional abuse. In fact, some of you, you need to go through some old photo albums and throw out some pictures of the person you used to date because you're already married and you don't need that. You don't need to be looking through photo albums and seeing photos of that person you used to date because it might stir up some feelings that have been dead for a long time and you don't need to resurrect 
feelings that need to stay dead. We need to leave some things behind. This verse says, don't dwell on the past. And this idea of dwelling is looking closely at life with a magnifying glass. You know, meditation, rumination, and contemplation are forms of prayer. And sometimes we ruminate and focus on our past, and it just, we're, we're like a rat on a wheel, just turning and turning and turning and turning and not going anywhere. And God's saying, get off the rat wheel. You weren't created to be a rat. You're created to be righteous. I've got a plan for you. So what do you do when you're stuck in that rumination cycle? This is what you do. Number one, process your past. Process your past with Jesus and fellow believers. Number two, prepare for today. Do everything you can to prepare for today. Prepare for today as if it depends on you. And then pray about your future as if it all depends on God. If you follow these three steps, you'll be able to forget the past and step into the future that God has for you. The second way to step into a spirit-led future is to focus on God's future. Verse 19 says this, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Now, when you look at the original text, what you'll see is that there's some emphasis words in that passage. And what God is actually saying, he's like a parent. He's saying, hey, pay attention, focus. Parents, have you ever said that to your kids? They're distracted. They're doing something. Maybe they're on their phone or playing video games, and you're like, hey, I need you to focus over here. I need you to do this. I need you to clean your room. I need you to pick up your clothes. I need you to do all this. God is doing the same thing in this moment. He's saying, you're so distracted over here that you can't see the new thing that I'm doing over here for you. The problem is, is that many of us assume, we assume that God works the way we work, but his ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. In fact, a lot of times in the kingdom of God, things are backwards. For you see, in the kingdom of God, you hear God before you see it. You will hear him before you see it. In fact, Genesis 1 is a masterclass in spiritual perception. What you discover in Genesis 1 is that God said, and it was so. God said, and it was so. God said, and it was so. So you will hear him before you see it. And he's trying to get your attention. He says, that thing that you're focusing on, there's no life. There's no future. I'm springing something up brand new for you, and I need you to shift your focus to see what I'm doing in your life. He's wanting to break our focus away from the affairs of man and the things and the plans that we're making. He says, I've got a better future for you. But we must be willing to listen first and to look second. In fact, I love this passage in Isaiah 42. It says this, everything I prophesied has come true, and now I will prophesy again. I will tell you the future before it happens. I don't know about you, but for me in my life, I want God to tell me what's coming. I want to hear his voice. I want to know what he has in store for my kids. I want to know what he has in store for my future. I want to know what he has in store for my marriage. I want to know what he's in store for this congregation. I want to know so that I can step into the future that he has. Some of us, we need to be willing to listen to God. We need to read God's word. You know, you can't, you can't hear God's voice unless you read his word. The enemy's counting on you not knowing the voice of God, because if he can do that, he'll get you distracted. He'll say stuff in your mind and in your heart that aren't from the Lord. We need to listen. We need to read his word. We need to silence the dis distractions. In fact, I've discovered that fasting fixes spiritual focus. In fact, we're going to be inviting the whole church in January to fast and pray and to seek God. And if you're willing to set aside the distractions of life, you will see the thing that God is creating for you that he's springing up out of the ground. 
In fact, this word spring up refers to a plant that starts hidden. In fact, the new things of God always start small, hidden, and in the supernatural. You may not see it, but it's already coming. God has hidden blessings, hidden breakthroughs, and hidden transformation if you're just willing to listen to his voice and focus on the thing that he's put before you. Some of you are trying so hard to make something happen, and God says, no, this is what I'm doing. This is what I want you to focus on. We need to be willing to perceive the things of God, and that starts with us listening. The third way to step into a spirit-led future is to follow God's lead. Verse 19 says this, I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me and the jackals and the owls. Even the animals honor God. I don't know about you, but I want to honor God more than the animals honor God. Because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. To give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Look at this. He says my four times. You are my people, my chosen. The people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. He's saying, you're mine. You're mine. I have a future, and I want to lead you forward. If you're just willing to listen and follow my lead. You know, God's word will always make a way in the wilderness and will always provide water in the wasteland. You know, many of us, we try to create our own path in life. We try to cut our own path for ourselves. But what God is saying is, I'm going to make a way where there is no way. I'm going to cut the path for you. I'm going to make things happen. As some of you know, I grew up in South Texas. I grew up in South Texas, and they don't have much down there, but what they do have a lot of is they have cactus, mesquite, and rattlesnakes. And if you've ever been out in the thicket, and you're trying to get from one place to another, and you try to take a shortcut through the thicket, what ends up happening is you get scraped up. You know, spiritually in our life, when we try to make our own way, we make a mess. We make a mess when we try to make our own way. We go the wrong direction. We waste time and effort. We actually injure ourselves and hurt other people. Don't wander in the wilderness. Let God lead you. In fact, in the Old Testament, God led the nation of Israel with a pillar of fire and a cloud. He led them into the wilderness, and then he led them into the promised land. In the New Testament, we see Jesus was led into the wilderness and then led into his ministry. You know, God wants to lead you forward, and sometimes he's going to lead you into a wilderness before he leads you into the promised land, but you can trust him. He's going to get you through it. We need to hold on to that. We need to hold on that he's going to get us through. And for some of us, we have wandered into the wilderness on our own. But God is saying, even in the wilderness that you've wandered into, I'll still lead you out. If you follow me, I will lead you out. I will lead you into the preferred future that I have for you. But not only will he lead you out of the wilderness, he'll lead you to living water. He says, I am the living water. If you come to me, you'll never thirst again. He wants to lead us to living water. We don't seem to catch this idea of how important water is because we have water at our fingertips. We can just turn on the faucet and get water. But back then, and even in some places in the world, people have to travel for water. Imagine for a moment being a nomad, being someone on a camel for a week, maybe two weeks, and you're having to ration your water because there's no water around. So what do you do? You're praying that hopefully on the next hill, over on the other side of the hill, there will be an oasis, a place of water, a place where you can get refreshed, where you can get renewed. And honestly, if you're a nomad, what you're hoping is that the water that you find at the oasis isn't a spoiled spring, that it is healthy and that it, it's good and that it is fresh. 
For you see, not everything that hydrates is help, helps. Not everything that hydrates helps. Sometimes we're so dehydrated that we'll drink salt water. How about you, but drinking salt water is not very good for you. But you know, in life, what happens is sometimes we drink from springs that are not healthy, springs that are not gonna move us forward. In fact, spiritually, not everything that hydrates is holy. Not everything that hydrates is holy. Some of us are drinking from sewers. We're drinking from sewer water in the wasteland when we really should be drinking from the water of God. Some of you are thirsty for what you pour into that Dixie cup, and it's not the orange juice or the cranberry juice. It's what you add at the very end. Others of you, you're thirsty for what you watch online at night when you're lonely. Some of you are thirsty for that next relationship you're trying to find at the club. You know the best place to find a spouse, someone to date, is right here in church. Some of you wake up in the middle of the night or late at night and you have this craving for food and you go into the pantry or the kitchen and you're craving something. Others of you, you're craving physical intimacy. And yes, we as, we as people were created for physical intimacy, but only in the context of marriage. And some of you are not married. Here's my question. What are you thirsty for? God created us to thirst for him, but many of us were trying to get our thirst satisfied by the world and by sullied and spoiled and sewer water. God didn't create us to be drinking from those fountains. Don't get wasted in the wasteland. Get refreshed by the spirit of God. In my own life, what I've discovered is this, is that worship and God's word always makes a way. Worship and God's word always makes a way. In fact, this is how God ends this passage. He says, I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they, you and I, may proclaim his praise. And so today as we close, I'm going to invite you to stand with me. And here's how we're going to end. We're going to end 2019 with worship. We're going to end 2019 with worship. In fact, I heard one business person say this, how you end something determines how you start something else. And we need to start as believers, as people who are fully pursuing the presence of God, that we're intent about coming to worship God, that we're, yes, it's great to see our friends, but we're here to listen to the word and we're here to worship the Lord. And so I'm gonna invite you to set aside your digital devices, put aside the worries of the day, and I want you for the next couple of moments to focus on the presence of God. If you're willing to worship, he will make a way. And so as we end, if you want to come forward to the altar, I wanna invite you to come. This is your last moment to worship in the house of God. And I'd love to see 40, 80, 100 people here at the front fully pursuing God. He always makes a way for us.